Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm your host, Lindsay McCowan, and we are here today on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And yet again, we have another amazing guest. But before I invite this lovely woman into a conversation about rest, ritual, and yoga nidra, let's take a moment to pause. So wherever you are, whether you're standing or sitting down or even lying down, just take a moment to come into brief stillness and feel the flow of your breath just gently in and out through the nose and allowing the breath to bring you into this moment away from the busyness of your life and the distractions and simply be here in your body and with your breath. And just as you connect to your breath and your body, just come into this question. Where in your body, where in your life do you need more rest? Where do you need more rest? And then take a deep breath into that and out. Our guest today is Tracy Stanley, and she will be guiding us through a conversation about how important rest is and that it is so essential to be present and to be here in the now and to what our needs are in this moment. So when you're ready, just coming back and we'll invite this amazing woman, Tracy Stanley, who is the best-selling author of Radiant Rest. And she's also the author of the Empowered Life Self-Oracle Deck. She's been a spiritual teacher for nearly two decades or over two decades. And Tracy weaves a sacred alchemy of yoga nidra, self-inquiry, meditation, ancestor reverence, tantra, and devotion to create spaciousness for clarity, inner wisdom, and the innate luminosity that is the source of our true power. Tracy is currently writing her second book, and it's going to be published by Shambhala Publications, which will be released in 2023. And I simply can't wait because I absolutely loved Radiant Rest. And I know whatever you're going to put out is just going to be phenomenal. So Tracy, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh my gosh. When you said yes, I was like, yay. <laughs> And I love what you said when I, when I was telling you, like when we were talking before um, and talking about what the show would be about, I was, I was telling you, thank you so much for coming. And it just touched me because you said you always say yes to Dharma. That's right. Ah, you always say yes to Dharma. And yeah. So, yeah. And so what is your Dharma, Tracy? My Dharma is to create, to share, to try to inspire awaken to love and that takes many different forms um and so it's not uh the same as having kind of a career 
um, it's really about infusing everything that I do with those qualities. Um, and to me, this saying yes, the part of Dharma was around the awakening, right? The inspiring, um, the remembering of, of who we are. Um, so yes, when you say yes to Dharma, it becomes really easy to say no to things that are not <laughs> dharmic. <laughs> And so, you know, it's important, therefore, to know what your dharma is like, you know, and and it's not, I loved how it wasn't something that had to do necessarily with career. It was very, you know, beautiful and simple. And it, it's just such a, a guiding force for what to say yes to and what to say no to. And, you know, we live in a culture that tells us that we have to do more and be more and be perpetually busy and adding you know, so much onto our plates just to, to feel like we're achieving something that we're successful or that we're worthy. And yet it's, you know, obviously, I mean, maybe it's not so obvious, but we're starting to see this in our health and our mental well-being. And you're coming in from the other angle and say, hey, no, let's let's not put so much on our plate. Let's actually bring rest back in. So how do we approach a culture that is so just, you know, almost glorifying the overdoing and come in and say, hey, this is a, a different way of doing. I mean, how much resistance are you getting to this? You know, I don't get a lot of resistance um, kind of uh, post uh, early pandemic times, uh, because I think that what we all realized when we were in the lockdown time and there was kind of uh let's say nothing to do um, with our job and we had different kind of responsibilities. Maybe some of us had even more responsibilities because kids weren't going to school and we needed to caretake for parents. But I think a lot of people found themselves with time that they thought, oh, I'm going to, to rest during this time or I'm going to do something during this time. And I think what happened was is that people actually realized how exhausted they really were. So when you think, okay, I'm going to take this day to rest, and then you rest and you realize, oh, I still don't feel rested. I actually feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, because of this lack of perpetual motion, I'm actually getting to realize that there's this bone deep exhaustion within me. Um, and I think that now that we're moving kind of into another phase of this uh, pandemic life, that we're also realizing that there's a bone deep grief that is there as well and a sadness. And so I feel like people are starting to embrace rest as a way to heal themselves um, and to find more clarity. Um, but, you know, to answer the other part of your question, dominant culture always wants you to be looking outside of yourself for everything that you supposedly need to be worthy. So that validation is always going to be external. It's always going to be the one next thing that you need, whether it be, and it's always going to be something that you have to buy, right? It's never going to be anything that's free. <laughs> so, so it's never going to be go out into nature and lay on the earth or go out into nature and, you know, kind of remember the awe of being alive. And I think that's something else that we may have also rediscovered 
um, during the time of the early pandemic and lockdowns is that nature was really our only refuge. Yeah. Right. And we see that now when you see that there were campsites a couple of years ago that no one used to visit. And then now they're completely full and booked for the whole summer. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're continuing to realize that nature is a refuge for us. Um, And then I think the other thing is just that um, we have to be awake to how we're being manipulated and how what our own kind of desires are um, and how they're being uh, used against us in a way. Right. It's so dominant culture will tell you, you have to do, you have to produce. If you're not producing, you're not worthy. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're, if you don't have something to show for the production, if you don't have something to show for your success, you're also not worthy. Right. So it keeps us in this constant grind of competing, comparing, and you can never get out of that unless you decide to pause. Right. And when you pause, you get to see where you are and how are you feeling and what's needed and really be able to ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? Do I need the perpetual movement in this moment? Or do I actually need to rest? And I think that what people are also starting to wake up to is the fact that rest actually makes you more productive because you're more clear about what you're doing. And that's something that I kind of discovered um, when I was in my uh, previous career. Uh, Luckily, I had these practices of yoga nidra and rest. And what I noticed was that when I was rested, I was really able to be more focused and find solutions more quickly, not get as uh, kind of in that fight or flight when things were in crisis. Um, So, yeah, I think that we're all starting to realize that. And when you see, you know, the kind of biohacking community start talking about, you know, yoga nidra and rest practices it eventually is going to continue to trickle down into, you know, the rest of the mainstream. There's so many pieces there that I would, you know, would like to touch on and just to highlight that, you know, through rest, you can actually, and I hate to use the word be more productive, but you actually can get more done and less time and Mm -hmm. feel better. And that can be so difficult when we are in, you know, what was the word you then the grind when you're just sitting there at your computer and you feel like you you're in that state of fight flight and you're just going and going and going. And it's difficult to pull away from that and know that, oh no, actually what I need to do is to pause and to rest because I'm not really pulling from a place of inspiration or creativity. I'm just, I mean, for me, it feels like I'm just coming from this place of intensity that doesn't, that feels, um, it's it's like false motivation is is what how it feels to me like i feel this this power behind it but then when i'm done i feel completely depleted by it instead of it being this coming from this place of inspiration so that when i'm done i still feel inspired and good does that make sense yeah it totally makes sense and it it connects to what we touched on at the beginning of the conversation is this idea of dharma 
right? And and knowing what it is that fuels you and that excites you and what you're here to share and how you're here to share it. And so when we're in that, you know, hustle, there's it there a lot of times we haven't connected to is this really what I want to be doing in the world? Is this really what I'm here to do in the world? And if we're not connected to that, then there is that false motivation because the motivation is the machine outside of you that says you have to be doing something all the time in order to be and feel worthy. So, you know, a lot of times people will uh, judge, right? If if someone is resting, it's not um, uncommon for people to judge, well, you know, why? Do, who do you think you are? Why do you get to rest, <laughs> right? You're not working hard enough. Mm -hmm. uh, you're taking too long of a vacation, right? So there's all these things that are kind of in place that need to really be dismantled, but they have to be dismantled within us first, right? Yeah. Before they can be dismantled outside. We have to understand why um, we are inherently worthy and good um, without having all those external things. And so, of course, the way that you guide us to that place of, you know, understanding and through Yoga Nidra. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about, or a lot about uh, the practice, you know, of the practice, I'm doing air quotes right now, of Yoga Nidra, because it's this idea that through rest, we create the awareness. And so, which is fascinating because like, okay, how, how, how can I be, if I'm resting, be fully aware this kind of like, like, okay, I'm going to go do this practice that where I feel like I'm falling asleep, but I'm actually, it's creating an awareness within me. Yeah. So, you know, yoga nidra is often um, translated as the yoga of conscious sleep. And also we can think about this idea of sleeping with a trace of awareness, right? So there's said to be a place within us that is always aware and awake, right? It's always at rest also. It's effulgent, it's all-knowing. There's so many things we can say about it. We can say that it is this place of peace beyond words. And it is known as this place that is the fourth state of consciousness. And so when we think about the states of consciousness, we think about the waking state, right? The dreaming state and the deep sleep state. And then there's this fourth state. And it's said that this fourth state is always the one who's kind of watching, the one who's aware, but we're not aware of that place. And when we go into this place of Yoga Nidra, Yoga Nidra is so many things. Yoga Nidra is a technique, right? It's a technique that we can become familiar with as a way to prepare for this state of awareness where we become aware of all of the states of consciousness. And at the same time, yoga nidra is also a state of consciousness, right? So it's very similar, if not the same, to that fourth state of consciousness. And so I think that the best way to describe um, yoga nidra is if we've ever been in a place where we were awake, maybe in a lecture or 
driving. And then all of a sudden you started to feel yourself in that transition where you're about to fall asleep, right? And you suddenly kind of wake yourself up like, oh, I'm not supposed to be sleeping, but there's this kind of sweet transition of like falling into that place. Yoga Nidra allows you to access that place and then to hover in that space. So the body itself might be asleep. You might actually hear yourself snoring and become aware that, oh, and maybe some of us can remember a time where we heard ourselves snoring. How is it possible that you, your body could be asleep, that you could hear yourself snoring, and you could be aware that you're snoring, right? That's the kind of awareness that we're talking about that kind of allows you to ride through. So you get to see yourself moving from waking, possibly to dreaming, and then to sleeping. And in Yoga Nidra, you're guided by, usually by a person. Sometimes you can be guided by yourself. Um, and you're guided to systematically relax the body. And that's kind of the first gateway where we start to notice the resistance, right? So this takes us back to your previous question, right? We get to actually notice we have resistance to letting go, to surrendering, to really allowing ourselves to receive rest. And there could be many reasons for that, right? There could be reasons like trauma, where it doesn't feel safe for us to really let go and to rest and be held. It can be that all of those things from dominant culture that tell us you're not going to be any good if you actually let go and rest, right? So some of the techniques of deep relaxation and systematic uh, relaxation through the body, I think give us the first kind of window into what is my relationship with rest? We really need to ask ourselves that question. What is my relationship with rest? Who are the people that modeled rest for us? What are the messages that we received over the course of our life about the worth of rest? Mm -hmm. Right? I remember my grandmother never wanted anyone to know that she was resting because she had to always be busy and doing something. And even when she was, I mean, she uh, lived to almost 96. And even then, if she laid down on the bed, she would never get under the covers during the day. She would lie sideways, keep her shoes on and lie there. And if you called her, they're like, oh, I'm just resting my eyes mm -hmm. because she didn't want to be perceived as, you know, not doing something or being productive because there's, and I was like, wow, this is so amazing that she won't even let anyone see her in resting because there was a, a stigma to that. And so, and I even, I see that kind of in my family and how we have to keep pushing ourselves. And I'm like, why are we pushing ourselves so hard? Yeah. And, you know, this is the thing that the, these are things that are handed down through generations, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why we have to kind of be the ones to start to, sh to shift it because we, we lost contact at some point um, in our histories 
with the natural rhythms of the world, the natural rhythms of nature. So before the light bulb was invented, right, we would work when the sun was rising and we would finish when the sun was setting. And we were in connection with those circadian rhythms. We were in connection with, you know, some cultures were in connection with, oh, it's the afternoon, it's time for siesta, right? It's time for resting. And sometimes when you go to certain countries, those uh, rituals are still in effect. But I think in the West, we've done away with a lot of those rituals. We've done away with a lot of um, the connection, certainly, um, once the light bulb was invented and the industrial age came about, it was all about literally production, right? And 24/7. so we 24 seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've internalized that. And then, you know, with the invention of the computer and the internet and all the other things that we have that make our lives so convenient, we really have to be careful because that really is now a 24 seven. Um, and you can't really turn that off a lot of times, right? It's like if you're doing your work a few minutes before you decide to go to sleep, your brain is still processing, even in the dream time, the the things that you were doing during the day and the last things that you were doing before you went to sleep. So I think that um, being close to nature and really being able to, and I don't mean close in the way of you have to live in the forest somewhere. When I say close, I mean like pay attention to your natural body rhythms and start reconnecting to um, the time that the sun is rising and the sun is setting and start to be aware of those transitions as they happen during the day. And just take a few moments to pause and rest your eyes <laughs> even, right? Just rest your eyes in your office or wherever you are and give yourself just a five minute rest period three times a day and it will make a huge difference. And so I know we have to go to break, but when we come back, I'd love for you to share maybe how when we're so busy, especially women who are busy moms, entrepreneurs, caregivers, they're doing all the things, how they can bring in restful moments throughout the day, what that could look like for them. And also maybe we can touch back in on the generational trauma and how yoga nidra can help us um, unravel some of that. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Thank you. Right. So if you're listening, be sure to jump over to the Women Thriving Unapologetically Facebook group and you get to watch and listen behind the scenes. And Tracy will be staying there with us after the show to answer all of your questions. So that's Women Thriving Unapologetically Facebook community. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the Divine Feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. 
When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back, everyone. This is Lindsay McCowan with Women Thriving Unapologetically, and we're having an amazing conversation with Tracy Stanley. And Tracy, I just want to jump right back in because every moment with you is precious and I don't want to waste any. Uh, so I would love for us to come back to the generational trauma. Sometimes it's called intergenerational or transgenerational trauma. And this idea that we it's in our DNA that we've that has been passed down trauma. And some of us, um, based on our histories, might carry more trauma than others if we've been subjected to racism or poverty or even a catastrophic um, event like the tsunami in Asia several years ago, we can carry that into our DNA and um, and how this practice of yoga nidra can help us start to unravel some of this, these, these, sometimes I see them as cords or knots that keep us perpetuating some of the same pain generation to generation. Yeah. And so this is kind of based on the science of epigenetics. Um, and it is, it's been proven. I think the first, one of the first studies that they did were on um, some of the, uh, the relatives of uh, soldiers from the civil war. And they started to notice that they had a shorter lifespan and they were able to connect this to their ancestors that were in the civil war. And so we all have generational trauma. We all carry generational trauma. There's something in all of our histories, whether it is being um, the descendants of enslaved people, whether it's being a descendant of someone from the Holocaust, we all have this kind of intergenerational trauma. And so, you know, what I would say about yoga nidra as a practice is that once we start to inquire around our resistance, right? Because sometimes we don't know who our ancestors were. We don't know what the stories are, is that we can start to kind of look at what is what feels like mine from this lifetime? What can I look at and say, okay, this is how the people who raised me um, looked at rest, how they saw rest. And so that kind of goes back to those questions that we uh, posed earlier is who were our models for rest? What were their beliefs around rest? How did, did we see people in our family resting? You shared the story about your, your grandmother, who in our own home did we actually see resting? Right. 
what are the stories that we do know about our ancestors? Because if I think back and say, okay, well, I know that I have um, ancestors in my lineage that were enslaved. I also know that that means that their, their lives were in jeopardy if they were caught resting, right? So you can think about how the resistance is showing up in the body. And the more that you practice, the more you can give yourself permission to let go of that. Um, and what I like to do is I like to bring in these kind of uh, circles of protection and practice where you kind of energetically, just with your own visualization, kind of draw a circle of protection around your body. And you can actually call in and ask for your ancestors that are well in spirit to come and protect that space. And hopefully you can also kind of ask a prayer or offer a prayer for all of the ancestors that have not rested mm. and were not allowed to rest for whatever reason, that they receive part of your practice of resting. It's as simple as offering a prayer. That's so um, beautiful. And it's, you know, I have to say, I've been practicing yoga nidra for quite some time now and you're the only one that I've known to to bring in that circle of protection. And it's just so beautiful. And the first time I did that with you, it was just like, I could, I felt myself soften more in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I hadn't experienced that in the other practices that I did. And like, what is, what is that? You know, I know that there's been some trauma in my personal history. And then I was like, well, is that do I feel protected that I can actually relax and not have to be on guard? Um, or, but then the more I practice with you, the more I can start to feel like, oh, there's something else there. Cause I don't know all of my ancestors. I know my direct, by direct line, a blood, bloodline, but anything beyond that, I really don't know. And so then I started to feel like this feels bigger than me. This feels so much bigger than me. I mean, it's such an interesting experience to have that. And then you're like, oh, now what do I do with all of this? Mm. Yeah. Once you start to have a desire to connect with the ancestors, uh, my experience has been um, that suddenly they they just start appearing, right? <laughs> and, and literally, and I don't, and 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 also figuratively, but you know, there was a side of my family that I had no information on, you know, um, no idea. I knew a little bit about names and that was basically it. And once I started to kind of offer these blessings, all of a sudden someone from my family in Bermuda was like, oh yeah, I have pictures of your great-great-grandparents from the 1800s. Oh, I have pictures of, I have the records of this, you know, and, and then I, I, I'm always on ancestry.com to try to continue to find people in the family tree. It's like, oh, here, here are the papers of your great, 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 great grandparents who were married and they were married on their, the recording of this was kind of um, acknowledged on the day that they were freed as slaves. So we just have to know that there's more to uh, existence than what we can see. 
Um, and I think that there's a great healing in being able to be connected um, to those who came before us because it also helps you to reconnect with those rituals um, that have been lost, um, whether they be, you know, taking rest in a certain way, observing, uh, you know, ways to honor grief. Um, and th- because all those things are things that we need right now to be able to heal. Wow. I love that story. Um, and so do you feel like it's important to trace back to your ancestry or do you feel, cause for me personally, it feels like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a lot to put on my plate. Um, right now, it doesn't mean that it will always be that way, but I find that just through the practice itself, I feel there's a remembering that's happening. Um, and suddenly I'll feel myself being pulled to do a particular ritual that I hadn't done before, or I'm just starting to want to do things. I'm like, where is this coming from? Am I making this up? And then I just trust myself that this, in this moment, it's beautiful and what's what I need and, and trust that there's a guidance there. Is that enough? Or do you feel like there is some, and it, I, I think it's whatever works for you, whatever you have the space for. We don't want to create another doing. I caught the, myself saying, is that enough? Because yeah. that's, that's my, <laughs> I was like, you saw me, I saw, yeah. it. You yeah. saw me do that. I was like, oh, I got it. I got it. Because I do yeah. that. Enough. Yeah, enough. it is. It's, Am I it's enough? enough? Am I worthy enough? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is enough. It's like what, what we have space for, what we have desire for is going to be enough. We don't want to create more doing um, that doesn't need to be there. Um, and again, you can draw that circle of protection and basically send your blessings to all your ancestors in the hope that they can also rest. And in the in my book, Radiant Rest, um, one of my dear friends, Octavia Rahim, shares a story about what she does with her ancestors and inviting them to to rest with her. Um, so these are these, this is real, <laughs> you know, it, this is not uh woo woo. It's definitely real. And I think that, you know, it's just one example of how women and working moms, um, caretakers, teachers, those of us who are out doing because we have to support ourselves and our families. It's, it's a beautiful way to think about practice as a householder. A lot of times we think about spiritual practice and we think, oh, you know, I'll do, I'll dedicate myself to spiritual practice, you know, when I'm retired and I have more time and I'm not living in the city. And you visualize like the spiritual teacher as someone who's like living in a forest and doesn't have any responsibilities. And the truth of the matter is, is that the the women in in the household um a, a lot of times are the ones that help to weave the practice through life because the practice of spirituality or spiritual practice is a life practice it's not something that you do just 5 minutes or 10 minutes a day on your mat yeah. right so if we think about this as a weaving um, then we can think about the weaving as taking moments through the day as you can, whether it's three minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes that 
you take moments to pause, you take moments to rest, you take moments to breathe, you mm-hmm. take moments to chant. And that can be something as simple as, you know, when you wake up first thing in the morning before your feet touch the floor, you just sit in your bed and you take 10 breaths, just 10 conscious, intentional breaths, right? And when you step out of the bed, you basically place your foot on the floor with intention and as, and you pause for a moment and you take a moment to set an intention for your day. What is your hope? What is your wish for your day today? How do you want your day to feel? What do you want to give back to the people around you? And what do you want to receive? And then start to move into your day. I'm so glad you brought this in because this is, was uh, one of my favorite. There's so many things about your book I love, but I really love that you had this section dedicated to the householder's flow it, because I hear from women all the time, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And you just broke it down so simply that it's a weaving of your spiritual practice throughout your day. It's not something that you have to carve an hour out or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is to sit on a mat or a cushion. It's about how do you bring in those moment-to-moment connections that will create this this sense of connectedness. Like, I mean, and um, and that I and people get a little confused sometimes. I feel with with rest. Mm-hmm. It's in that moment that you're connecting, that you feel. I personally feel rested, or I'm coming to that place of peace, or that place where I have the potential to be more rested if I spend a little bit more time there, maybe. (laughs) But um, yeah, I just love that part about it. Yeah. And I think also this comes from dominant culture, once again, that the longer, the better, right? Mm -hmm. If I told you that I was like, you know, uh, an an athlete and I was jogging every day and you, you would say, well, how long, how, how many miles did you go? Right. That's the first thing. And if I say, well, oh yeah, I, I jogged a mile today. You'd be like, oh, a mile. That's it? I, I really want to hear like 10 miles or five miles and then I'm impressed. Yeah. Right. And so we, we have to let go of this thing around time um, as it relates to our practice, because that's part of the commercialization of yoga, right? At some point, someone decided we're going to open a yoga studio and the classes are all going to be 90 minutes or they're going to be an hour and that the practice isn't worth anything unless you're doing it for that period of time. So we've kind of been trained over the last, whatever, 30 years that a class is an hour long, right? I think it's it's shifting now where people, you know, they're doing polls and people are saying, I want a five-minute practice. I want a 10-minute practice. Because people are understanding that the ability to weave in a shorter practice um, will bring a wholeness to their life. This weaving, it really shifts everything. And all you need is just five minutes here. You can, you can do a meditation practice while you're nursing your baby. You can chant a mantra while you're cooking a meal right? These are all things that you can do and you can weave in, um, in different ways. And I think that, um, what I've noticed is that sometimes people need permission in a way to do it 
and make it work for them in their own way. And once they have that permission, which is why I wrote the chapter, Householders Flow in Radiant Rest, is people start to get really creative. They get really creative. It's like, oh, I can, you know, when, when my baby's taking a nap, I can, I can lay there in the same room and have five minutes of breathing. I can actually watch them breathe and I can connect my breath to their breath. And that becomes like a practice for me. I've heard so many different stories from people that read that chapter in the book and were just like, went to town with coming up with creative ways in which they could weave. I wish that we could, I would love for you to like compile all of them because I think sometimes we get stuck. Like, okay, I'd get stuck that, okay, I have permission now, but what do I do? And then when someone gives me an example or five, then my imagination Mm -hmm. can come back online because my imagination sometimes feels like it's just been dampened by you know, all the shoulds and coulds and woulds and expectations and, you know, attachments to things I am supposed to be doing to be successful and happy and worthy. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait a second. This is totally different. This is totally different. And this is so doable. I would just love to see. Yeah. Look. What what I do love though is that yoga nidra and these practices of deep relaxation, they actually help us to recognize transitions mm-hmm. because it is literally bringing you into a relationship with transition. Because the, each time we move through those states of consciousness, there is a transition, and we get to start to kind of recognize transitions during the day. And it shifts our relationship with time and space. Yoga Nidra, the practice, and Yoga Nidra, the goddess, shifts our relationship with time and space. And once your time and space starts to shift, you start to see, oh, there's a space here. There's a transition here. There's a moment here where I can actually rest back in this moment. I can I can take this moment and I can devote this moment of transition to something greater than myself, mm. right? To being able to rest in that thing that holds the whole universe together. And I think that if we become aware of transitions, you know, there's been probably, I don't know, maybe 300 transitions between the two of us. Since we've been on this call, we can think about that transition between the inhale and the exhale and the exhale and the inhale. There's always a transition happening. You created a transition at the very beginning when you asked us to pause and to kind of center ourselves. There's been transition from one topic of conversation to another topic of conversation that was preceded by a pause. So if we can learn to see those transitions and to honor those transitions, the space and time in which we have to practice and in which we have to weave becomes expanded. And that's the magic right there. Everyone wants more time and you can not create the time, but by through those transitions and being aware, you have the experience of having more space and time. That's so beautiful. And So now we're at our second and last break of the show. So we're going to transition 
to that. And then when we come back, I would love to hear more about uh, yoga nidra as a goddess practice. And I don't think a lot of people, I didn't know this. Um, I think you were the first person to to mention this and bring that into my awareness. So I want to make sure our listeners have an opportunity to hear more about that as well. So if you're listening, don't go anywhere. And if you haven't already, be sure to register for the upcoming Awaken and Nurture. It's a three-day experience that I'll be guiding you through. Each day, I will lead you through a new practice that nurtures the sacred feminine. And guess what? The first the first day, we're going to be talking about rest and restoration because that's the, the foundation of everything. And so during the short break, jump over to Instagram, go to my bio and register today because it's coming up on the 26th of September. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the Divine Feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful, magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back, everyone, to Women Thriving Unapologetically. We are having an incredible conversation with Tracy Stanley, author of Radiant Rest. And so we're going to dive back in and talk about the yoga nidra being an actual goddess practice i did not realize that this this practice this technology was actually um a practice that was a goddess practice i'm gonna just hand it over to you i feel like i'm bumbling my words right now so (laughs) i want to give it to you tracy yeah well let yoga nidra is um she is the goddess that has the Shakti of repose, as my dear friend Uma Dinsmore Tuli likes to say. And so if we think about this goddess that has the Shakti of repose, she is one who is nurturing. She is the one who holds you unconditionally. She has the vibrancy and the luminosity of the moon and the cooling, healing nectar of the moon. She's written about in the Devi Mahatmya. 
And in that story, um, Yoganidra is the one who saves the universe when Vishnu has taken his deep, deep sleep in a space which is called the Kalpa. It, it's like a time period between creation and recreation. And he's sleeping on this cosmic ocean. And he's sleeping in this period of time that to him is kind of a night's sleep, but to humans, it's like a 3,000 or 5,000 year sleep. And so Yoga Nidra has taken her seat inside of Vishnu for him to experience this deep dreamless sleep. And out of his navel is growing this beautiful lotus. And on this lotus is sitting Brahma, who is the creator. And at some point, these two demons start growing out of Vishnu's ears, like Ama. And if you're familiar with Ayurveda, you know what that is. And they start attacking Brahma. And as they attack him, he realizes that Vishnu, who is the preserver and the protector, who he's now been calling out to to help him, is not waking up. And he realizes that he needs to call on Yoganidra. And so he starts to sing her praises about her resplendent beauty and luminosity and nurturing qualities until she appears and he asks her to help wake up Vishnu. And in some of the stories, she actually also helps to confuse the demons by making them sleepy um, to basically save the world. And so Yoga Nidra, if you think about Yoga Nidra as being this feminine quality of nurturing, it, it changes a little bit because we, when we set up our Yoga Nidra nest, which is a place of like deep, comfortable, luxurious resting place, that we also think about, oh, when we're setting up our nest, we're actually setting up and creating a place for Yoga Nidra to take her seat within us, mm. right? And if we think about setting up our space that way, we also can let go of skimping, which is a lot of times what happens is we set up a Yoga Nidra space, which is really supposed to be like a nest or cocoon for us to rest comfortably right? And a lot of times we say, this is good enough. It's okay. I know my ankles are hurting. I know my knees aren't supported. My back is a little sore, but this is good enough. Or I you don't deserve- want to get up and disturb everyone else to go get another blanket. Yeah. Exactly. You deserve more. You deserve to be able to rest. You deserve to be comfortable. You deserve to be held. I just want to repeat that. You deserve to be held. You deserve be comfortable. You deserve to rest because I see that I'm sure you've seen this many times before when you're guiding yoga nidra and someone shows up with a scrappy little blanket and you're like wanting to give them more comfort and they're resisting. I'm like, no, like you deserve this. Yeah. What? Yeah, you, you do. You do. What, what I, what I do notice is that people will come in and we'll be teaching how to create the nest and they'll create the nest and their nest that they create is like super skimpy. And then when they're doing partner work and they need to create a nest for someone else, they are making it comfortable. They're asking questions. Is this okay? Can I put this here? Can I do this? Can I add this? And it's like, oh, look what happens when we create a nest for someone else. 
So I began once I started to notice that was to give the instruction to create the nest as though you are creating it for your most beloved. Mm, That's beautiful. And then we get into it and we realize that we are and we should be our most beloved. Because if we aren't our most beloved, what are we teaching? What kind of intergenerational trauma are we perpetuating? And so the question that I love to ask people is that if your legacy was to change your family's lineage in relationship to rest, how would you begin to do that? Mm, That's a powerful question. You ask the most beautiful questions and part of uh, what you included in Radiant Rest are questions to journal about after each practice, um, you have that in your Oracle deck as well, which are always wonderful to pull from. And also you have for each practice, a Sankalpa. And I know we're coming up at the end of our time, but I did a practice this morning. I did the ways of Om. Mm. It's really beautiful. And I did it seated for the first time ever. I've never practiced seated before. And it was a different experience. And the the Sankalpa for that is my in-breath is an invitation for vital energy to support and nourish me. My out-breath is the acknowledgement of my longing to be free. My breath reaches far and wide. I allow the universe to hold me. I am cleansed by her ways of love. I am free. Which just really speaks to allowing yourself to be held and nourished. It speaks to the goddess to allow her to be the one to hold you. And also to that sense of freedom, freeing ourselves from perhaps those intergenerational um, threads of trauma. And I think it's just an incredible book. And Tracy, I, what, how can we get our hands on this book? And Oh, one more thing with the book, you get practices as well, the audio recordings. So Tracy will guide you into this beautiful restful state so that you can experience your own, your own beauty and freedom in these practices. So tell us, how can we get our hands on this book? Uh, the best way to uh, find the book is to go to radiantrest.com. And then you can find all the links to support the independent bookstores, Um, and that would be great for us to support that. Um, So you'll find out more information about the book. You can find all the links there. Um, That's the best place to find it. Okay, and where can we connect with you? Uh, You can connect with me at tracy2esyoga.com, and then you can find all the things. Okay, perfect. Find all the things there. And so, Tracy, we are at time. It went by super fast, but I'm so appreciative of your time and your wisdom and your just saying yes to your dharma. So thank you for being here. And for all of you that are listening, be sure to go over and to Radiant Rest, get your hands on your own copy and be guided through these practices by Tracy. She's just beautiful, beautiful guide. I can't say enough about her. And so, again, if you haven't already, go over to my IG account, register for the Awaken and Nurture three-day experience so that you can tap into your sacred feminine and get deeply rested and supported during this three-day journey. So until next time, my friends, many blessings. Join us here next week on Women Thriving Unapologetically, 10 a.m. East Coast time. 
what time is it on the 7 a.m. Pacific? <laughs> <laughs> Math is challenging sometimes. Okay, my friends, many blessings. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.